How do we see the gospel in Ecclesiastes? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always on the show is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So we are back for a new season of the show, and uh, we have changed up the format a little bit. So let's quickly discuss what you, the listener, will be hearing each week on the show. Every week, we are releasing two episodes of The Hero of the Story on Mondays and Thursdays. On Monday, we'll be working through some of the big ideas of a passage of scripture that is connected to the Gospel Project study. The way that we're discussing it is not a way in which you have to be studying the Gospel Project, but if you are it'll we hope it'll add a little bit of extra depth and if you're not that we just hope that this is an encouraging and helpful conversation for you as you are studying the scriptures for yourself on Thursdays we will be discussing one of the 99 essential Christian doctrines that are featured in the gospel project and in our new video series the 99 in 99 and you can see more about that on gospelproject.com um, so think of those episodes as an extended commentary um, an additional discussion on the nuances of those core truths of the Christian faith all right so with that out of the way let's dig in Brian we are talking about Ecclesiastes here. Why are we studying this book? Why are we talking about this book? Well, we're talking about this one right now in the Gospel Project. We're in this unit looking at at Solomon. And uh, of course, we have already examined the life of Saul and then David. We're transitioning now to Solomon. And of course, we know that Solomon and wisdom are fused hand in hand, that that Solomon uh, was given this amazing opportunity by God to ask anything of God. And he asked for, for wisdom to be able to lead God's people well, um, which in of itself tells me he already had some wisdom <laughs> existing uh, to ask for that. But God, you know, as we know, blesses him, uh, rewards him for, for that request, gives him this wisdom and gives him other things as well. And then we see in books like Ecclesiastes, we see the wisdom of Solomon expressed. And so that's why we're studying it at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And so when we think about this book, it is, it's packed with, in, with, Really, some heavy teaching here, isn't yeah. it? I mean, you you think about the first the the first couple of lines of this this book. Um, I mean, uh, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of king in Jerusalem. And he says, "Absolute futility or vanity of vanities," as some translations put it. Says the teacher, "Absolute futility. Everything is futile." That's just good writing alone. Absolutely. <laughs> that I is mean, a great start, isn't it? It is a great opening line. It's hard to get a better one than that. Yep. So and but he goes on and he and he he talks about how everything is is toilsome and wearisome and everything is essentially a waste of time. It feels like emo music from the early two thousands. <laughs> exactly. Let's just let's just be honest there. Um or you know, grunge from grunge the, the 90s. early nineties. Um, you know, this yeah, he is, would have lived in Seattle. Absolutely, it's like it's always raining. It's you know, he's got some swoopy hair. <laughs> you know, maybe some eyeliner and a cape. Um, this is this is this is a dark book from that respect. It is, and as we're going to talk about, it's not absolutely. So let's think about some of the major themes that are in this book. So. Um, 
what is ultimately what is this book really about? Yeah, we know the big idea here is Solomon is asking the key question: What's life all about, or, or what's the meaning of life? And so he sets out and he pursues to find meaning in different things. You know, if, uh, I got my my Bible open right now, and just looking at the chapter headings and some of the the headers. You know, he he's going to search for it in pleasure, in possessions, um, in in wisdom itself, in work, and so forth. And so he's he's. It's almost like he's all right. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Where can meaning be found in this? Can this thing give me satisfaction? Can it can it fill the longings of my soul? Mm-hmm. And what we see time and time again, of course, the answer is is emphatically no. Right. Everything leaves him wanting. Yeah. Every time he comes back, he he goes through his his exploration, and the answer always comes back to this too was futile, yep. or this too was vanity. Um, this is empty. And in a lot of ways, when we read this book, that that's really discouraging because I mean, think about it. Um, think about it in the con- in the context of our of our cr- cultural climate, and even how we often act in 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 ministry as as believers. We can we can treat ministry as the meaning of life. We can. And and that's a dangerous thing too. Well, and that's a that's a good word that you you bring up there, Aaron. Because what we have to be careful about is not equating Solomon recognizing that these things did not bring him meaning with them being completely bad. Right. Some of these things were good things. Mm-hmm. Now some we could. Right. Yeah. Some of the like I mean the pursuit of let's just think the pursuit of wisdom. That's a good thing. Exactly. There's nothing inherently bad about right. that. There's nothing inherently wrong with him right. wanting to be wiser. Right. Um, work is a work. really good thing. We were made for it. Yes. Um, we were also made to rest. But, but what, what Solomon concludes is, but that in of itself is not what gives my life meaning. That is not what gives satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So back to your point, I think it's really important that we, especially those of us like me, you and I are different in this regard. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the Bible Belt-ish. Um, I grew up in cultural Christianity. I brought was brought up in biblical moralism, where I, you know the belief was well, as long as I didn't drink and, and curse and do those things, mm-hmm. I was good with God. And if I went to church on a regular basis, and so we we look at those things and think, all right, well, you know, I, I just want to avoid doing the bad things and do the good things, and I'm good with God. Right. Well, ministry is such a good thing, but the point that that Solomon would share with us if he were sitting here with us on this podcast, he'd say, yeah, but you can't find your meaning and satisfaction in ministry itself. There's something even deeper, as good as it is. There's something more beautiful that God has designed to give us that meaning and satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. And so that kind of brings us to this big question of how ultimately does Ecclesiastes point us to Jesus? So, because when we one one of the things that that we always have to remember when we're studying scripture is that the purpose of it is not simply to give us wise principles for living or yeah. give us um, examples to emulate. And and again, to continue with Ecclesiastes' point, those things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. I mean, you use the term biblical moralism. You can um, meaning that there is a way to there, like you can live a very moral yeah. life, obeying the obeying the commandments at least outwardly yeah. of the scriptures, and that in itself isn't like 
obeying God's commands is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. But even then, it's not enough. Exactly. And that's where, you know, Ecclesiastes is such a great book for this question of, of you know, how do we how do we see Jesus in this? Yeah. Because if you if you don't get to Jesus, Ecclesiastes is is rendered meaningless. Mm-hmm. Because all you, then you'd have is, well, I can't find satisfaction in this, 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 or this. And, and you would kind of have to say what Solomon says at the very beginning. Well, absolute futility. Everything's absolute futility. Right. But Solomon even will hint later toward, well, there is something that is not futile. Yeah. And so, of course, we know that that answer is Jesus, that we know that while nothing of this world gives us satisfaction, even the good things, even something like ministry, uh, the thing that does, the person who does give us meaning, the one who is designed to fill our every longing is Christ himself. Mm -hmm. He is the one we're after. He is the one who gives us purpose and meaning. Um, he is the one who gives us joy. And so we pursue him. And then we recognize these other things as good gifts, as ripples from God mm-hmm. that we are given so that we can further fuel our love and appreciation for Christ and what he's done for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um Let's back it up a l- just a little bit and 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 get a little more explicit. A couple of things that, a couple of the ways that Ecclesiastes points us to to Jesus. That Brian's you've outlined the big picture of that so well, and and, and that's super helpful. If we get down in, into the nitty gritty of it, it, one of the key things that it does is ultimately it points us to the limits of human wisdom. Yeah. Um, it says human wisdom is a gift. The pursuit of wisdom is a gift. The pursuit of knowledge is a gift too, but it only takes us so far. And if we're expecting to um, attain um, rightness with God or attain holiness by by being knowledgeable and wise people, that's not enough. Because in Ecclesiastes twelve twelve, it says that you know the, there is no end to the, the, the making of, of many books. Yeah. There's always going to be something more that, that someone can say. Yeah, and um, in 723, he says, I have tested all this by wisdom. I resolved I will be wise, but it was beyond me. And that's the other key. You there's you can't be wise nope. enough. You are we we are all limited as human beings. Yeah, even even Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, because God gifted him with, with such wisdom. Right. Um, and I mean, you look at the you look at the 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 more negative sides of, of the book where Solomon is pursuing pleasure. He's engaging in in basically he let nothing that would be enjoyable. Um, be beyond his grasp or beyond his reach. He was the ultimate hedonist. Yes, and um, he and he really did indulge in everything he could, and that didn't work out too well f- for him. He had, you know, how many hundred wives and how many hundred concubines. Um, that does not lead to a happy life. No. <laughs> um, that's that's just not going to go well. What's really amazing, a guy so wise didn't understand that. Right. And it was I so— I mean, f- I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not a butter knife either, but I even know that. I mean, that's just— That's right. It's so like, for him to miss it, just come on. That's Solomon. right. You know that that saying of, you know, happy wife, happy life? I know. Um, it's it's important to note that that's a singular. <laughs> <laughs> so just, let's just put it there. Um, but, I mean, 
you know, whenever you see whenever you see people involved in in relationships with multiple people, um, particularly if it's at the same time in Scripture, those are not models of happy yeah. lifestyles, and that's never generally, actually. Yeah, generally we see problems arise from it, of course, exactly. in Scripture. Yeah, exactly. So and. So, just as a side note, the Bible does not endorse polygamy. So let's, uh, but let's continue on. Um, yeah, it is. It's just, it's so powerful that when that the more you dig into this and the more you you hold up the culture to the Book of Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. um, the more you see that these are the things that we're pursuing as well as a culture. We um, whether it's and you think about the the things that. Um, are labeled disorders now, even like work workaholism, and um, which or which seems like one of those weird things that someone would be addicted to work, but it's like, but as one who struggles to yeah. actually rest, um, you know, it's just one of those things. We we so easily define ourselves by what we do for a living, and we 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 take our identity from that. We do that yeah. in we do that in our our day-to-day jobs, if they're not ministry, we do it in ministry sometimes as well. Um, but we're not those people, and the gospel wants a, the gospel always draws us back to our fundamental identity, which is um, if we are is is that we are in Christ. Yep. If we if we have been saved by Jesus, we are in Him and we are of Him. Therefore, that is where our starting point has to be. Um, when it comes to um, relationships between men and women, we see how um, marriage is looked down upon and children are looked down upon, and um, and and all of these the the pursuit of of pleasure and the use of and the use of sex as just simply a means of in personal enjoyment um, that that has no consequence. On any other human being, and what we've done in the last forty years, in particular in the West, is we've destroyed multiple generations of both adults and their children and their children's children because they don't know what a healthy relationship looks yeah. like. I mean, that was certainly my experience growing up. Is um, when when my wife and I, when we got engaged. People, um, we weren't even Christians at the time, and people thought it was strange. Um, they were like, "Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just, um, you know, just live together?" And yeah. we already were living together at that point. But um, and her family, it was assumed, well, you should live together first and then get married, and things like this. This was not, but these do not lead to happy, healthy relationships, yeah. homes, anything. And, and this is where we see, you know, the the beauty of so often God's word is proven true in our culture, even when it's not realized. For example, we know that statistically one of the worst things you can do for a future marriage is to live together before getting married. Absolutely. It doubles it, your chances it, of divorce. Exactly. So God's word is, is proven true. And, and this happens over and over again. But we see, you're absolutely right. Our culture, um, you know, I... I I imagine it was similar in Solomon's day. I don't think much has changed because it's it's deep within our sinful natures. But you know this pursuit of selfishness, this pursuit of 
of personal, well, today we see personal fame through social media. I mean, why are so many people addicted to social media? It's not because they really care about what's going on around them. It's because they want to be platformed. They want yeah. to they want to be famous. Um, freedom, you're talking about the freedom to, you know, not be tied down in quotes, in a marriage, because that's that's a craving for freedom, supposed freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion, another area of freedom. I want to have the freedom to do what I want to do without consequences. Mm-hmm. Wealth, you know, we are in still one of the wealthiest countries this world has ever seen, and, and we're gluttons for it. We can't get enough. Right. Um, and so you look at these things, you look at, at our hedonistic society that we're in, you think about what Solomon dealt with, and our culture is feeding us the same rubbish. It's feeding us these same lines. And if you want to be content, if you want to be, uh, you know, find meaning, if, if you want to live life to the fullest, well, it's found in this car or mm-hmm. use this toothpaste or use this whatever. Right. And then everything will be great. Yeah, exactly. Everything is set up, um, particularly when we think about marketing, everything is, everything is spoken of ultimately in terms of a proxy heaven or hell. Um, not having this yeah. car, this even this toothpaste, this hamburger, this whatever, that is a functional hell. But you are freed from that. You are saved from that dis- that destruction by attaining, by purchasing, what? by borrowing enough money to get it. Um, and and then you then you rejoice. You are you are in heaven now, and now you get to show off. And the thing is, we are in this culture. You, we we cannot be as naive to believe that we're immune from this. This messaging bombards us all day long. Mm-hmm. And this is why Scripture says we are to keep our minds on the things of Christ, the things above, because if we do not, our minds are going to be swayed and influenced in this direction. And we see this as the case. We live it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I experience tension where I experience, well, if I can only get this new whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's going to give me the happiness. I, I you know, that's going to make me happy. If I could just make a little bit more money, then I don't have to worry about this or, you know, whatever the case, if I could take this vacation or whatever the yeah. case may be, I fall into this trap of believing these things will give me ultimate, notice that word, ultimate joy and satisfaction. Um, yeah. And so we, as as God's people, have got to understand Ecclesiastes it should resonate deeply with us. Mm-hmm. The same things that Solomon was dealing with then, the same things he explored, w- we deal with today. Absolutely. And that brings us to the ultimate purpose of the book. What he says is the end of the matter, the conclusion of the matter. Um, in his pursuit of wisdom, he says the only thing that's really satisfying is this. And this is what gets us to Jesus ultimately in this book, is to fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. That's it. Yep. The purpose of life is to fear God and keep his commands. The thing that we were made to do in the first place, to honor him, to praise him, to show him as being the most worthy being in existence in the entire universe and beyond. And how that gets us to Jesus is that he's, he's who makes that possible for us. Yep. 
the only way it's possible. Correct. Because the only thing that we can, apart from Jesus, the best we can do is we can be afraid of God and try to keep his commands and fail and be even more afraid of him. But Jesus gives us the ability to rightly fear God, to, to understand that that fear, while, while yes, there is a certain element of, of the fact that God should scare us a little bit because he is yeah. not like us in any way. And that's such a and that in itself is a good thing that we could talk about another time. But um but it has so it has that connection to it. But when we talk about fearing God, we're talking about um our posture. We are humbling ourselves before him. We recognize him as ultimate and supreme where he is not where we are not that. Yeah, and, and notice how this answers Solomon's question. What gives me meaning? What gives me joy? And what delights my soul? When we understand the holiness of God, we understand the love of God, the beauty of God. I mean, you go down the list. That is the answer. It, mm-hmm. It's Yeah, there's this sense, as you're, you're absolutely right, there should be this healthy fear and awareness of his power, of his holiness, and so forth, and our lack of those things. But then we recognize, no, he is the greatest good. There, yeah. there is nothing else that even comes close to comparing to being in relationship with the God, the creator, who is so splendid, who is so marvelous. And in Christ, I am his child. I, I am beloved by him. I'm accepted by him. Um, I, you know, I delight in that. Mm-hmm. That's then what stirs our affections. And then that trips over into these other things in life that we can say, right, well, there is nothing wrong with finding happiness even in some of these things. In my family, in your family, right? we are supposed to find happiness in our, in our wives and our kids because they're good gifts from God. But that's the thing is we connect it to God. Mm-hmm. We say, this is a provision that God has given. I delight in the gift, but more than that, I delight in the giver of such a great gift. That's the key here of, of how we understand and how we process all these things in our world that many are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and those good gifts that we still need to filter through this lens of the giver of and and the the best gift that we've ever been given, of course, in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. All right. So let's think about Ecclesiastes from the perspective of, um, a, say, an adult Sunday school teacher or a small group leader, um, someone who's serving in student ministry or a kids ministry volunteer, maybe even someone who is just engaged in in just in quotation marks, engaged in one-on-one discipleship or is even even looking at this book from from their own personal personal study. Mm-hmm. What guidance can we offer in, them in helping them see the good news in this book beyond what we've already said? Yeah. I think one thing Ecclesiastes gives us this great example to uh, to help people if we if we are leading a group uh, and if we're just sitting on our own for us to, to put our own hearts under this microscope. But it gives us this great opportunity to break through the plastic facade that we often wear. Um, think of especially in, in churches. And we're here in the Bible Belt, Nashville. I mean, it's the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. And, and I think Texas might take issue with uh, that. Texas takes issue with a lot of things. Love you, Texas. <laughs> um, but here we see so often people 
put their plastic facade on, show up mm-hmm. in, on churches, on campuses, on Sundays, and, and you know, well, no, I've got my life together. Yeah. Uh, I'm a good Christian. I got my life together. Look, yeah. I brought my Bible, and, and I'm good. Um, and so when we get together in small groups, and I've experienced this in leading small groups, there are times when I say, no, stop. Let's just be honest. Man, so many of our lives are a mess right now. Or how about this? How about, man, as I've shared earlier, I can struggle with with thinking that wealth gives satisfaction in life. And so this book gives a great opportunity for us to to challenge our people in a loving way, but say, hey, look, if we're going to see the beauty of Jesus, we got to spend some time understanding where we relate to Solomon because we all relate with him. And, And I love how Solomon's like, hey, I tried this. He didn't, he had just mm-hmm. sat down and thought about it. No, he said, I went all in. Right. And I pursued satisfaction. I pursued meaning in this. But then he was able to say, and it wasn't there. I didn't find it. This book gives us a great opportunity to, to look at ourselves in the mirror and recognize, where am I trying to find joy and meaning and purpose apart from Christ? Mm-hmm. And why? And in a group environment, what a beautiful place for us to encourage one another. And, and yeah, you're not alone. And yeah, I've been there too, or I struggle with that too, and help one another, spur one another on to rejecting the myths of the world yeah. and pursue Christ instead. Right. And that applies with um, with teenagers and, you know, and kids as well, mm-hmm. that they're being tempted to, to pursue these things as well, even at a very early age to find their happiness in, in know, a video game, in a video game, in dad, a toy. dad, can I have this? Um, yep. How many times have our kids said that to us? Every in, time in we go sport, to the store, <laughs> you know, and how well they play a sport, yeah. the recognition, they, they are susceptible to these things as well. Right. And so if we're thinking about, cause I mean, I, I, I volunteer in our kids ministry at our, at our church. And so if I'm thinking through this, um, I might actually be be teaching on this passage too, which is exciting. Um, we're, we're doing your prep work in advance. There we go. I, I hope we're doing it. But anyway, um, I mean, one of the things that I would encourage our our kids to to think about is is that we want them that I want them to know this so that they don't fall into some of these same traps. To know ahead of mm-hmm. time, proactively be prepared to understand that. There is nothing that will satisfy us apart from Christ. Ultimately, yeah. we can find moments of happiness. Absolutely, we can. Um, people do find do live, you know, good and relatively speaking happy lives apart apart from from Jesus. But it's not ultimate satisfaction. And so, I want kids to know yeah. that know that you know that. Their parents have struggled with this, that I struggle with this as a parent. And I want my kids to see that, too. Um, And I'll give age-appropriate examples of, you know, know, even from being at their age. Like, okay, this is a thing that I did when I was nine. um, And how I thought that because I thought... Well, I just need money to yeah. to make me happy. I remember, you know, this is back in the day of the Sears and JCPenney catalogs at Christmas time, those really thick, you know, catalogs. Yeah. And I remember thumbing through the toy section as a kid thinking, oh, man, if I only had that Star Wars set. Yeah. That, but then, that's but then when you get joy. it and, you know, Luke falls down the <laughs> falls down the shaft to into the furnace, then then what? Yeah. Well, and as we know, as as dads watching the the habits of of, of our kids, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my kids, so many times they want something so desperately, and then they get it, and then a week later, it's like, okay, where 
it's gone. Where did this where thing it, that you desperately wanted go? Yeah, and it's it's over. Yeah, exactly. And and so ultimately, we we want we want to encourage, you know, whatever age we're serving, whomever we're we're walking with, um, in you know through their discipleship journey and our discipleship journey, we we want to be reminding each other of that that and spring one another on to pursue this ultimate good that that Solomon calls us to which is fearing God and keeping his commandments this thing that we can only do as as we look to Christ and as we believe as we trust him more deeply and with greater fervor each day um and that's that's the hardest thing to do but it's the right thing to do yep All right. So, Brian, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up this conversation. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hero of the Story podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, um, we hope you'll leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And of course, for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.